the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Renegade Women and Soul Care, where we share conversations with dynamic and amazing women and discuss how they navigate life while taking care of their souls and savoring their time with God. Who is this renegade woman? She is the woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. She is the woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, and her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world, including any other promptings that call to her soul. I'm your host, Arlana Scola. Today, my guest is Evelyn DeVilliers, and she is a renegade woman. Here's a little bit from her bio. Evelyn has a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and she was an honor student at that time. She has a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology, and she has a PhD in Psychology. She is licensed in both California and New York. Evelyn is a self-proclaimed military brat. Her dad was in the Marine Corps and was a field commissioned officer, which he remained until he retired when Evelyn was in her last year of college. They moved every two to three years, and growing up in a military family, she had to get used to lots of change and meeting new people. She never thought that she was college material and dropped out of college, got married at 21, and had her first daughter, who at the age of four suddenly lost her hearing due to a rare virus. Her infant son was six weeks old at that time. She went on a quest to help her daughter and started a support group. Her doctor's audiologist must have seen something in her and encouraged her to return to school. She had experienced a very difficult divorce and some years later remarried and obviously continued on in her education, receiving her Ph.D. She soon realized how perplexing and difficult a blended family can be. She and her new husband, Johan, had full custody of their total of seven children, his four children, and her three children. They are now married 26 years, have eight grandkids, and live a wonderful and joyous life. They went on a big adventure at one time out of state where Johan went to culinary school. Evelyn is now in private practice and at a clinic helping military service members and their families. There was one point as part of their big adventure that they moved to Big Bear and started a bed and breakfast there, which was just such a joy. They had to stop that because of some health issues. They are currently empty nesters and loving their family time, their grandkids, and caring for other people. I want to welcome Evelyn to Renegade Women in Soul Care. I'm going to read a little bit about what a renegade woman is, and then we will invite Evelyn into the conversation. The definition of a renegade woman is a woman who behaves in an unconventional manner, a woman who rises to the occasion of her calling, her vocation, her passion to overcoming, to serving, and to bettering the world in any number of verbs that call to her soul. Many people ask, what is soul care? 
Soul care is an ancient practice and a modern day necessity. The care of the soul was and is central to our spiritual history. C.S. Lewis said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. Caring for the soul matters because soul neglect happens, soul deprivation is real, and caring for the soul is of vital importance to leading a well-balanced and abundant life. We need to remember to take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. So Evelyn, let's talk about how we met. Welcome. Well, thanks, Arlana. Well, you know, I I was trying to think about that. I think we met at church, didn't we? We met we, at like La Jolla Community Church a gazillion years ago. We did. We did. That was a, su- a sweet, sweet thing. Yes. It, it was. Those, that, those were really good times back then. Yes, they were. And in those times, during those times, as I got to know you a little bit, I was like, this woman is awesome. This woman is a renegade. This woman is special and talented and gifted. So I'm so thankful that you're here on the show to talk about your renegadeness and how you care for your soul. Well, thanks, Alana, because I thought that about you. I didn't, and I'm just like, I'm surprised you thought about that about me. That's so sweet <laughs> and so nice. <laughs> Well, let's get started. What would you like the listeners to know about you in addition to what's on your bio? I wanted to say something. My husband did not go to culinary school. He was a project manager and we were involved in the restaurants and culinary world. Oh, Um, okay. Yes. And so he was a project manager for Grand Central. They were putting in a food hall and all that kind of stuff. It was very exciting. He loved all of that culinary world, but he didn't go to culinary school. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you told me that because now I don't feel intimidated when I have you guys over for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't have to feel intimidated. He just likes to eat and loves, loves all that stuff. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. No, it's okay. No worries. Yeah. You know, I don't know what else. I think it's just, it's an odd place for me to be on this end, having people ask me questions, because it's kind of what I do all day with my, with clients that I see. It's interesting to be on this side. Uh (laughs) All right. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Okay. Why would you consider yourself a renegade woman, Evelyn? You know, I didn't ever really think of myself as a renegade woman, or like, even like when I think one of your definitions was a woman who behaves in an unconventional manner. And I thought, man, I wish I would. I'd probably have more fun if I, (laughs) if I, if I did that, because I've always been kind of a rule follower and everything. But have you ever heard of that piece that was written by Theodore Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena? I've heard of it, but I, I don't recall reading it. Well, I have it on my wall. And I remember thinking about like renegade woman and I looked at that and I love it. I have it on my wall because it, it's so important to me, but I saw it on a poster and they replaced man with woman in the uh-huh. arena. And he wrote this like in the early 1900s. Yeah. And you want me to, it's a quick, want me to yes, read it? It's the woman in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the woman who points out how the strong woman stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. Isn't that the truth? But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends herself in a worthy cause, 
who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if she fails, at least she fails while daring greatly, so that her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I love that because it's what I strive for, but I wouldn't call myself a renegade woman, but it's what I strive for in the yeah. sense it helps when I read that, it helps me to not be afraid of stepping out and even it and even failing. Like it's okay. And it's like fighting the good fight in this life. So I love that. Yes, that is a very, very powerful statement. And I'm gonna look it up because as you work with your clients, I have my spiritual direction and soul care clients that are mostly for me women. But um, what a powerful statement. Thank you. Oh, gosh, you are welcome. I, I read it sometimes because it's inspiring to me and it helps me to not be, helps me to be a little bit more brave. But sometimes I don't feel so brave. Oh, my gosh. It, that's so interesting because I see you and experience and feel you as this valiant, strong, powerful woman. And I know you've done some hard things in your life that require you to be a renegade, but I always felt this strength and power from you, full of compassion, but just strong. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so nice. I'm glad that I was able to fake that really well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no faking evidence. I'm telling you, you are a renegade woman. Oh, thank you, Arlana. That's great. What would you consider to be your most significant accomplishment? Well, you know, of course, my kids, by the grace of God, yes. um, because you just do the best that you can with them. And they really are now that they're adults. They're truly good people. Like, you know how you just yeah. love your kids, but you really like them too. Yes. And I have to say that even my four stepkids, I love them. And I see they're becoming parents, have been parents now for a while, they're just good people. So I would say that that is something that God helped us with is an accomplishment. And then I would also say that when you read that I struggled in education, it felt like it was so elusive and it was something that I always mm -hmm. wanted. And I just didn't think that I was capable of doing it. And then circumstances happened and I found myself in school and it was really miracles by God. I can't even tell you how many times there were miracles that happened that helped me get through my education. And then I was on this road to get a PhD. Like I never thought that that would be something that was even possible. And I know that it was all, it was very much God-driven because there was a few times, you know, as you live life and kids and different things that I had to mm -hmm. kind of go off the path mm -hmm. and he just got me right back on it. And we've been, I feel like God and I have been working on what I've done with my patient. Like it's, I feel like it's God's accomplishment through me. Yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And what a testament to the way that he works so specifically and uniquely with every single one of us to yes. guide us to our path, but then to encourage us along our path. I mean, exactly. Yep. Amazing. And I know I love to, I'll say for me, reminisce about my marriage. How did you do that? You know, how did you know, like right at that moment, this is what I needed to hear or see or experience. It's just phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah. I love yeah. it, isn't it? It's just, uh, it's really something. And the little miracles that happen, like they just, and then they start to add up and you can see that, yes. wow, this is yes, um, absolutely. a neat path. It's extraordinary. What is your favorite word and why? My favorite word is peace. Oh, I have a couple of them. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of favorite words, but I think my number one is peace. And I think we live in this very broken world. 
there's a lot of good in this world, but there's a lot of brokenness. And I think peace is something that we just need. We need, I need it. I love to think about peace and meditate on peace. I read somewhere that peace doesn't mean to be in a place where there's no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. So yeah. I, I just love the word yeah. peace. And I think that we need it more in our marriages. We need it more in our, in this country and our, just in our world. So I love the word peace. Yeah. And the other word yeah. I like is adventure because see, adventure. life is an adventure. And I also think that someday when we're, we go in, when we're in heaven, that's going to be the greatest adventure. I love reading about people's near-death experiences yeah. and learning about everything I can about heaven. I think that's going to be the most amazing adventure. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And it's so interesting My experience in the hospice field and you know, working with death and dying in that whole process. And it's extraordinary to see someone, to have the honor of watching someone take, so, take a last breath, breath and know that in that last breath in heaven. And what yes, extraordinary, that must as you say, so adventure. It's quite well. And Arlana, I have to say that, that you're an angel for doing that. And I heard you, I heard your podcast oh. with, oh. is it Lisa Kimmel or Kimmel? Um, she's uh, the one that LCSW that, that worked with you in hospice. Yeah, Kimmet. Yeah. Kimmet. Yes. Yeah. Your stories were just incredible. I love that podcast. And you guys, what you've done, I would imagine that it would be quite an experience and blessing in many ways yes. to be there for those people. Yes. But what a blessing for them too. So I thought, you know what? Note to self, if I'm ever, you know, if God decides to, he wants to take me home sooner than yeah. <laughs> whatever. I'm like, I'm calling Arlana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you. I hope that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, really, Evelyn, it is um, an extraordinary honor to be oh provided God. the opportunity to be in that space with people. And the really interesting thing is that, you know, you would go to people's houses and they would be saying over and over consistently, many different families, patients, demographics, everything. What can I get for you? Do you need anything? And I'm thinking, I'm here for you. But that there was yeah. always this beautiful grace that was extended. You know, how can we serve you in the midst of their loved one in the process of dying when I'm coming to serve them? So that to me was a beautiful expression of God's grace in the process of um, those encounters. Did you ever read that in Christianity Today, years ago, it was written by Tony Snow. He was the press secretary to Bush and he got cancer. And he wrote this article in Christianity Today, if you ever look it up. It's the most beautiful, beautiful story about someone's experience with the diagnosis of cancer. And he was dying in stage four. And his faith in God, it is absolutely beautiful if you ever get a chance to look it up. Tony Snow in uh, Christianity Today. If you just Google it, you'll find it. But I okay. saved it and I sent it to my mother-in-law in South Africa and we found it in her Bible after she passed. She oh. read it all the time. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful. I will look it up. Thank you very much for that. Yes, I will definitely look that up. Oh. Now, what is your least favorite word and why would that be? You know, I asked my husband that and he said vacuuming. <laughs> And I said, well, deep, I, <laughs> I said, Johan, you're so deep. You're so deep. <laughs> I think my least favorite word is loneliness. Oh, and wow. I see that, uh, you know, I, I hear it all the time. I just hear it so much. Yeah. And 
I think we've been in a loneliness epidemic. Actually, I know we have mm-hmm. before, even before the pandemic. There was a Surgeon General named Vivek Murthy. I think he's still that for Biden now. He was in the Obama mm-hmm. administration. And he wanted to find out why, and this is before the pandemic, why our addiction rate has increased, why the suicide rate, the average has gone from 21 years of age to 15, why depression and trauma, we're just at an all-time high when it comes to mental illness. And he wanted to go and he looked at all the studies and he actually went and went to visit different cities and towns throughout the country to try to find out what, what is going on. Why is the addiction, this this little small town, it's a beautiful little town somewhere in a rural area, overrun and has an epidemic of addictions and overdoses and things like that. And he said, he came up with a one word answer, loneliness. And now the CDC even has this, but we now know that it's more important to socially connect with others than it is to go to the gym to mm. stop your addiction of drinking, to stop. I mean, it's more, it's on the highest on the list for your overall mental and physical well-being. So wow. loneliness, we know that it, it can actually kill people. It's done that with babies. They yes. cause failure to thrive. They were in orphanages and they weren't interacted with enough. And I think it, the saddest thing for me is to see people on their devices and they're, they could be at date night and the couple is looking at their phone right. instead of talking to each other. Yeah. So I think we can be lonely in a marriage, in a church, in a community, in our jobs, at college. I mean, I just, it's like my least favorite word. I think yeah. it's just an epidemic. Wow. I hadn't thought about it in the depth that you just spoke of it. And I really like that you said that this epidemic was pre-COVID. Yes. Because and- I can definitely see and understand that. and. You know, so many people focus the mental health things that we're seeing much, much more of with the COVID thing going on, but that this was a pre-COVID problem. The thing that's really heartbreaking is the patients that I've had who couldn't say goodbye to a loved one who died of COVID Mm -hmm. and they couldn't even talk to, be with them, hold their hand. So you go, so the pandemic was, it just made things 10 million times worse. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what episode number, but um, one of my guests said that her favorite word is community. And it's for the same reasons that you said your least favorite word is loneliness. Yeah, I like that word. That's a good word. Yeah. What makes you weep? Oh, my goodness. You know, have you ever heard of the term HSP, highly sensitive person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those. Me too. And I get compassion fatigue sometimes. My brother laughs and said, you know, I can't believe you're a psychologist. You cry at cartoons. (laughs) Um, So a lot of things can make me weep. And especially when I talk to God about certain clients that I have, I talk to him about my clients and, and just ask for his guidance. But also I oftentimes weep. I mean, they're stories. And I would say the thing that makes me weep the most are children that are abused, but I have adults who were children who were abused. And when you hear their stories, it's just absolutely heartbreaking, yeah. you know, the, the abuse or neglect that happens. And so that makes me weep. I have a heart for our kids you know, that are trying to navigate life in the midst of really horrific circumstances and how, as you just said, that, you know, follows them and can just create such hollow space as an adult, you know, for growth and maturity and all of those things. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I am an HSP also. <laughs> it's, I, it, I you know, it's interesting because I think those of us that have that, it's hard. It, it can be hard. You can get compassion fatigue. I can sure. imagine for you as a hospice person who helped in hospice. Oh my goodness. You must have just, it's yeah. like, wow, only God could help you have the strength. And I, I listened to this when I was in my twenties, I was at a Bible study fellowship. You remember Bible study fellowship, yeah. the community Bible studies kind of yeah. take off from Bible study fellowship. And I remember this woman saying, you can have all the compassion in the world and all the sensitivity in the world, but if you do nothing with it, what is what good is it to God, you know? And it kind of was a pivotal moment for me. And I was about, I think I was about 23 or 24. And I remember thinking, okay, well, since I am really a sensitive person, what am I going to do with it? Right. <laughs> and God gave you the direction. He like, did you go with a doctor encouraging you. I just love that because that's like what I call like a marker moment in your life where somebody said, however, he said it to you that encouraged you to say, wow, I didn't know that about myself. I'm going to try this. And, you know, thousands of people have benefited from you following that encouragement. Well, I hope they've benefited from it, but you know, it really is something that I feel like is, you know, we all have our gifts. And so right. I kind of think about, well, maybe my sensitivity and my, com and that compassion is, mm -hmm. and, um, if that's what God wants me to do. So yeah, use it, use it in that way, but you can imagine you have it. I'm sure too. Sometimes you can get really some oh, yeah. fatigue. <laughs> yeah. That's why soul care is so important. You talk about soul care. Yes. Soul care is my thing. And I have a friend, we don't see each other much very more because very much anymore because I'm not working closely with him anymore, but he's a chaplain for the San Diego police department. And oh my he's goodness. had, I mean, just an amazing illustrious career. He raises his own support. He's not employed by, you know, the city or anything like that. But we were talking one day and he was saying, you know, how do you do what you do? And I said, compassion fatigue. And he said, he'd never heard the word before or this, you know, the two words that he said, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, Arlona. That makes so much sense. And, you know, of course he suffers from it and, or can suffer from it because he's doing the hard work of going oh, out sure. and, and meeting these police officers in the midst of murder. And, and I think it's an important thing to say, and I'm glad we're talking about it now because people need to be aware that compassion fatigue happens and, yes. and we need to care for our souls in that process. We need to take time to slow down. And for me, when I was in the throes of, heavy duty hospice work Saturday, because I had stuff, you know, responsibilities at church. A lot of times on Sunday, Saturday was my day and right. I didn't talk to anybody. I usually didn't get out of my pajamas. Mm -hmm. I stayed home and I recovered and restored myself Absolutely. because if we don't, I've been on the other side of that too, where I've run myself into the ground because I didn't stop to care for my soul. So it's better than vitamins. You have it to, is. you can't, it's sustenance. It is. It's like oxygen. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to take care of your soul or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's putting that oxygen mask on yourself. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is so very, very true. Well, what is the hardest thing that you have ever done, Evelyn? You know, that is like such a question. I have a lot of hard things that I've done, <laughs> like, like most of us, right? Normals, right? I think telling my kids that their parents were getting a divorce, mm -hmm. that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. That I'll never forget their little faces yeah. and, and it just still breaks my heart. And I think that's why I am a couples therapist and I've gotten trained in that big time so that I can really help 
prevent right. divorce and re- work really hard with these couples that come in. I don't take it lightly and that I, and just anything to try to help them not have to do that. I think that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. It's, it's a heartbreaker for the children that are involved for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you feel is the singular thing you believe has had the biggest impact on your life and giving you success? You mean other than getting up every day and putting one foot in front of the other? <laughs> yeah, other than that. <laughs> Sometimes it's just doing that, you know, you just got to get up. And um, I think, you know, really to tell you the truth, what's brought me to this point, I think has to do with uh, a lot of the, that perseverance thing yeah. and about like how most of us, I would say probably all of us at some point um, have to overcome heartbreak and suffering and things like that. And I think that with God's help, he can use it. He can, he can use it as fuel. I think of it as like a fire in the belly. And because of those times that that's happened, it's, it's got me where I am. So I wouldn't say it's the good times, all the happy, wonderful, joyous times that got me here. I would say it's the difficult times (laughs) that got me here. And, um, and it makes me think about like, have you ever felt like you just, have you ever had days and times where you you felt like, I just don't know. I don't know how to do this, God. I don't know how to, I don't know, you know? And I remember thinking about when I was a swimmer in Okinawa, we got stationed there and I was in junior high and I had a coach and we were, I was practicing for our swim meet on the weekend. And I was going to be, they entered me into the 400 meter freestyle, which that's a long ways. That's That's a long distance swim. And I remember swimming and swimming and swimming and, and, tr- and the coach was yelling at me, trying to time me on the side. And he was yelling to go faster, go faster. And I thought I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to drown. Wow. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I can't, I was like crying. He was yelling at me and I get to the end and he says, Evelyn, you know, when you feel like you can't lift your arm out of the water one more time, you can't turn yeah. your head to breathe and you, yeah. and you couldn't, you can't do mm-hmm. it one more time, mm-hmm. but you did it anyway. He goes, that's everything. That's who you are. That's going to get you through life. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week at the same time for the continuation of this program. As we conclude this episode of Renegade Women and Soul Care, please remember to always take time and make time for soul care and soul prayer. May you be blessed with peaceful nights and gentle days. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.